Ever wondered what the future of social work is going to look like? Well, let's talk about it on this episode, the Black Therapist Podcast. Like the hit? Here we go. Finding Happy, Seven Steps to Relationships That Will Not Steal Your Joy is the new book by me, Nikita Banks, a licensed psychotherapist and life strategist. Leverage the knowledge you'll receive in this book to help you with the process of obtaining absolute clarity through the use of guided self-exploration. This process is necessary to help you master all your relationships in 2019 and beyond. Go on Amazon.com or BlackTherapistPodcast.com and grab your copy of the book guaranteed to help you redesign all your relationships based on two basic principles, health and happiness. Get your copy today. Welcome to the Black Therapist Podcast. The Black Therapist Podcast is the podcast where we discuss the unique issues people of color face when dealing with mental health issues and mental health diagnosis. Now, if you are new to our show, I am your host, author, life strategist, and psychotherapist, Nikita Banks, in private practice in my hometown of Brooklyn, New York. I am available for both psychotherapy and coaching sessions, and you can find more information about that on my website, NikitaBanks.com. You can listen to our podcast everywhere podcasts are found, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, YouTube, SoundCloud, Pippa, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and BlackTherapistPodcast.com. If you are a mental health advocate or therapist and you want to buy our podcast merchandise, you can do so by visiting our site. And if you want access to our free mental health tips, free online trainings, discounted selective services, and resources, do so by joining our mailing list by texting "get happy" all one word to 66866. If you love the podcast, please like, comment, and share. We love to hear from you. And if you want to send me some feedback, guest suggestions, or simply to say, hey, you can contact us at our website, blacktherapistpodcast.com. Please be mindful that this episode and all of the information that we provide here is just a resource and a tool to help get you started on your mental health journey. If you are feeling any mental health distress or you are having any significant issues, please feel free to reach out to us so that we can find you a mental health provider in your area. Okay, let's go. Hey guys, um, I missed you last week. There wasn't a show. I've kind of been feeling bad on the weekends, I'll say. You know, um, for those of you guys who don't know, my weekly schedule at uh, the private practice is four days a week. So I work Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I'm off on Thursdays and Fridays, which is not really like an off, right? Like one day in the morning, I'll go and do my grocery shopping and stuff like that. A little bit of running around. And um, usually on either Thursdays or Friday afternoon, I meet with staff or my interns to try to like get certain things done and we are going into group practice starting 2021 so there are a lot of things that I need to do to like you know in the year so by like Thursdays and Fridays I'm I'm supposed to be like my light days where I'm doing administrative work building stuff those kinds of things meeting with staff um and on Saturdays I work right And usually my Saturday days are like half days. I'll work from like 10 to 3, but I've been working longer hours because I wanted to take some time off to do uh, the holidays. I didn't know whether I was going to travel to see my mom for the holidays, but she was like a corona. So that's not a thing. Although 
I was a little like low key offended that she would be like, nah, y'all stay there. Like she literally laughed like, nah, ain't nobody coming in here. And I get it. You know, she has, um, you know, health challenges as most black people do when they get a certain age. But like, I'm not going to go anywhere and not keep her safe. I went to the doctor on Wednesday. I had a coronavirus test. I, I get a coronavirus test whenever I'm at the doctor's office because my insurance pays for it. Um, and so like I could have went to go see my mother safely. We've been quarantining. Like there were things that I would have done in order to keep her safe, but whatever her house, her choice. Um, so I'm mailing her gifts. And then every year for the past ooh, eight years now, this is 2020. So, you know, in 20, 2022, will be, I think, 12 years that I've been doing, I mean, 10 years that I've been doing this toy drive at the Domestic Violence Shelter. So if you guys have not listened to the show before, (laughs) then you don't know that my dad was physically abusive um, in most of his relationships, you know, partially because he's an asshole, partially because he's a narcissist and partially because of, you know, childhood trauma. My grandmother was murdered in front of him when he was 12 years old. And so... I worked as a um, counselor doing my graduate, getting my graduate degree and um, at a domestic violence shelter here in Brooklyn, New York. And so every year I've donated toys. And so last year, many of you guys and like my friends and family and people who followed me on the you know, social media platforms helped me donate Um, and previously my first few years, I had like friends that would do like, you know, drives at parties or like we'd have like a toy drive event. And so it was easier and cheaper the first few years that I did the toy drive because it was a community event. And last year was really nice because people were able to like buy, um, brand new toys, you know, under $10 for kids in the shelter. But this year I just like bought everything myself. Coronavirus has really hit a lot of people hard. Thank God I have um, actually been able to focus on earning more money this year in my business and like really pivot in order to make sure that I'm able to like make some coins, some change. Not sure if you guys have listened to the show about how I saved my business in coronavirus or at least, you know, pivoted how I used to pay my income versus now and how I used to pay my income, how I used to make money in business versus now. And so, um, you know, I'm well on target this month to make like my ultimate goal for um, how much money I want to make in my, my practice. And it's, it's the first time that I've ever going to, I'm not going to say the goal, the goal, but it's the first time in my practice that I've been able to hit the goal. You know, I got me a nice little BMW this year. I've like cheated myself to some things. There are some, some things I still need to do. I want to move very, very shortly. So I was like, you know, while I'm still in New York and I'm able to like literally drop the toys off, I totally want to, um, go and do that. So I've been like really focused on that and um hiring some some folks. If you are an LMSW and you are in the states of New York, New Jersey and Georgia, please reach out to me. We are going to be hiring um therapists. The reason that I started to to um 
or decided that I was going to go into group practice this year. Um, number one, passive income. Hello. But number two, someone had reached out to me to be their supervisor. They were looking for supervisions to get their hours to to um, earn their CSW. And it just only made sense to me to actually go into group practice and like teach them all of the things so that when they are finished with me, they will be trained enough to be able to go into private practice on their own. And if I can be the vehicle or the catalyst to help other mental health professionals, A, make more money and B, um, develop the next generation of black therapists, I was all for it. So I'm nervous. I'm scared. It's a big responsibility. Um, starting a new company and an entity and the legalities of it. Uh, Nervous as hell, but this is the call. This is my assignment. This is what I was told I need to do. And I told you guys last year that my my job now is just to kind of learn to be a little bit more obedient and not worry about the ends or the means, but just to go out and like do. So this is where we are. I am doing this. However, on the next episode of the Black Therapist Podcast, Holly is coming back on, Dr. Holly Sawyer. Um, and she's been on before, but we talk about her journey from um, a solo practitioner going into group practice. And we talk about like my fears and my challenges. And so that's a really good show that I hope you guys don't miss. And the 100th show is coming up. I don't know, like we're not going to do anything special, but the 100th show and the 100th episode of the Black Therapist Podcast is, is premiering really soon. And I just want to thank you guys for rocking with us over the years and all of the kind words and the letters and the emails and the requests to be on the show. I'm getting back at it, but, you know, I'm one person. As I told you previously, everything that you see is everything that I do. I try to hire people. I hire someone. I'm hoping that someone else can come on and help me do some of the things that I'm doing right now so that I can really start to, to get a lot better at this. But, you know, I'm one person. And this year has really taken a lot out of everybody. It's also taken a lot out of me. It's taken a lot out of people in the helping profession to be able to kind of put your own thoughts, feelings, and emotions aside and be able to be there for other people and be there for, you know, uh, our community. And, you know, most therapists and people who are in the helping profession, you are empathetic. And so I am very aware of like my energy transfers. I've done something pretty crazy over the next two days um, leading into Christmas because I'm going to take um, some time off. I thought that I would maybe take a week off for Christmas, but then also I had this income goal and I'm like, "Mm, I want to make this money. And so, um, you know, not so much that I needed the money, but really it's about me, you know, making a goal, sticking to it and seeing it through, keeping my word to myself about it. And so I figured that I'll be able to work less, take some time off, work a half schedule, but work longer days (laughs) for the next two days. And so we're going to see how that works. I've noticed that energy wise, I don't like to see any more than seven clients per day. Because my energy starts to get a little wonky after seven. I'm drained. I'm tired. 
but I'm, I'm, I know this about myself. So I'm trying to prepare myself to see if I can do this for these next two days, because if I can and I can make some sort of energy shift and energy adjustments for those things, then I will be able to, um, you know, see if I can create a, a different schedule for myself when I am, you know, planning my work week. So there's that. Um, who else? Oh, we also have a show coming up with a good friend of mine who is also a, a black male therapist, an author and a relationship expert. Um, and that show is coming in um, a few weeks. I don't know how long the show is with Dr. Holly. We talked for a long time. You know, I don't like really like the shows to be super long. So it may just be two episodes instead of the one. I haven't decided yet. I'll decide next week when we're in editing. But, um, you know, there are some really good shows that we have coming up. And I hope you guys stay tuned for that. Okay, um... I'm just jumping in on right now because I've received a few questions lately online and I just wanted to address them. So one of them, someone asked me if I would mind mentoring. Um, I don't have a problem with mentoring. If mentorship is something that you guys want, um, I would love to try to figure out a way to create a platform to do that. I do teach. I do private coaching for therapists and stuff like that. But um, you know, I feel like at this stage, the best way to find a mentor, and I've said this previously, is to mentor across. There are a lot of different aspects of, you know, media, social media, um, the Internet, uh, different things like that, that certain people at different levels, marketing, digital marketing, digital media, that that certain younger therapists have more of a grasp on and while older therapists have maybe the clinical skills and they have the connections and they have the 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 ways to tell you how to navigate successfully through you know career advice you guys know a lot about marketing and placement and branding and stuff like that. And so to be able to have a mentor, ask someone to be your mentor, you should be able to mentor across. So so figure out something that you can teach, something that you can contribute to the space or to your mentor and be able to pitch yourself in that way. It's not just a matter of you going and soaking up all of their contacts and all of their information and taking, 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 but it's also being able to create a space where you can give as well. So if you are looking for mentorship, not just from me, but from anybody, you have to also ask and think about what, from a perspective of this person, well, why, sh what would it benefit that person in order to work with you? Um, even when I work with my interns, I try to ask them, and they're, you know, shout out to them. I'm going to have them on later. I don't want to like blow them up. They listen to the show. But like, you know, there is certain aspects of different things that they can give me a perspective being that they are students that me as somebody in the field, I just may take for granted or that I don't see or these are questions that need to be asked. So sometimes, you know, just contributing at your level where you are, it, it is very valuable. And so think of that when you are asking for someone to um, mentor you. Also, 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 a lot of people ask me to be on the show and some people um, reach out. I am looking for guests all the time 
it is a task sometimes for me to have guests because of just the production value that has to happen. It's an extra step. There are a lot of different things that needs to happen in order for me to have a guest on the show. However, I want people who want to come on the show, but I also want people who want to be on the show. I also want people who listen to the show. I also want people who support the show. I also want people to be on the show who interact with the show. And so if you coming to me on the show and you don't know what what I do on the show, if you don't know my voice and my tone of the show, if you don't know what kind of clinician that I am, if you don't know our audience, nine times out of 10, I'm not even going to respond. And it's not that I'm being disrespectful or that, you know, I I'm not supporting my fans and I'm I'm doing air quotes because I just feel like, you know, no one is my fan. Just support me. But it's not about that. It's just really I'm overwhelmed and I don't really have a lot of time to respond to things that don't need a response. Like sometimes some things don't need a response. And so like if you've never listened to the show, if you haven't filled out our questionnaire, if you are not um Yeah, if you're not part of my audience, like I don't think that you know my audience. I don't think that you know my voice and it doesn't make sense. And there have been times that people have been on my show and it has not turned out good because they just didn't know what they were talking about. They hadn't heard the show. They didn't hear, you know, my tone of voice. They didn't understand that it is a conversation and it's not a monologue or dialogue. I am not like a passive journalist, even though journalism is my my um my background. I used to be a writer for national publications. I used to do those things. My undergraduate degree is in communications and in writing and in, you know, different kind of multimedia situations. But that's not what I do on the podcast. Um, and I'm extremely passionate about what I do. I'm extremely passionate about my audience. I'm extremely passionate about my listeners, my followers and people that are on the show. And so don't come up in here and disrespect my house. That's how I feel. Like, you know what I'm saying? So if you want to be on the show, genuinely love and respect what I do and love and respect my audience and be able to contribute to that space. And I don't, you know, sometimes people, it feels like people are pitching and that they just kind of want to come on and that they want to be seen and that they, oh, I have a book. Great. You know, what else? Like, have you heard any of my shows? Did you like any of it? How did it resonate with you? Um, do you service my audience? Like, just don't come in and take. And like a lot of times there are people who come on the show who are not part of the community. Um, they're not speaking to the community. They're not marketing to the community when I look at their socials. So, yeah. Um, I don't really know what to do with y'all. And I'm just going to keep it, keep it real. I don't know what to do with that. So I got a, a DM on social media from a budding social worker. And I figured that it would be great for me to answer the question here. So here are the questions. Do you think the demand and need for social workers will continue to grow and increase in the future? The answer to that question is yes. If you think about all of the things that social workers do, not just, you know, the clinical stuff, the diagnostic stuff, we actually do direct care services. We also do case management services. We also work um, in many organizations. And there was recently an article written about how 
you know, the, the MSW is the new NBA. And w- what that means is that we are able to use transferable skills in order to help organizations create a positive workplace culture. So from diversity to health and hiring practices to, um, you know, looking at the the social ecosystem of companies, we are able to do a lot of things. So if you are able to diversify your um career portfolio and your educational experience and your work experience with a a social work degree, you are pretty much able to do anything from nonprofits to government. Um, There are legislators who are social workers. Social workers are being elected to, you know, national positions as well as local government positions every day. And we are called and we are on the front lines of every single movement that happens in this country. So from police reform to, um, you know, the, the opioid crisis to housing reform, like any single thing that happens, child welfare, we are on the front lines of any kind of social justice issues. So yes, I think there will be an increase in demand in the future. However, I think that is up to social workers and NESW and CSWE in order to craft this narrative around what we do as a therapist in order to make that happen. Okay. The second question, do you think social workers will always be needed and always be in demand going forward in the future? Well, yes, I feel like I just answered that. Um, Every single time that there is a national emergency, social workers are needed. Every time there is a national emergency from coronavirus to the economic um, issues in the country, the housing insecurity, food insecurity, uh, mental health issues, social workers are on the front line of that. And because psychology is a dying field, I say that I'm going to continue to say that I believe that wholeheartedly it doesn't mean that it's it's uh, it's a truth. I'm just looking statistically in terms of numbers. Most people do not want to go to college for six to eight years on top of their 12 years. So, you know, 18 to 20 years in school. Um well, no, that's post that's post undergrad. OK, so like 20, 24 years in school and, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt in order to be a PsyD or a PhD or a, um, a psychologist when you can have that same amount of status and clout. There are certain things that you can't do license wise, but they're the same amount of and I feel like that's going to change, but the same amount of status and clout and earning potential with an MSW or a um, MP or just a master's degree, right? Doesn't mean that people aren't going to go to school to be there, to get their PhDs or be DSWs um, or any of those things. It just means that if I could get to the money quicker, faster, with less education, with similar training, I'm going to do it. And so that's just kind of where I see a lot of this moving in terms of education, even in, with doctors right now, psychiatrists. I have a friend who's a psychiatrist um, and, you know, people who have been on the this, this show before who are psychiatrists who have $500,000 worth of debt, half a million dollars worth of debt to be a psychiatrist just so they can have an MD on their name when now... You know, nurse practitioners and physicians assistants are making a lot of money with less schooling. Um, and so in order to and I'm like not making a judgment, right? 
I think that if I was going to go to somebody who was prescribing medication, I would probably want to go to a psychiatrist rather than a nurse practitioner. But unfortunately, a lot of insurances are going to pay for what they're going to pay for. Um, what I see in the field is a lot more nurse practitioners in a lot of different organizations prescribing medications than I do see psychiatrists. And because of that, um, you know, there's an issue. Not to mention that I believe 2% of psychiatrists are people of color. And I don't even know what percentage of that is black. Don't quote me. It could just be that 2% of them are black. But at any rate, if it's 2% or if it's less than 2% that are people of color or black people, you in trouble. The chances of you finding a culturally competent um, psychiatrist is an issue. And so I just kind of feel like because of that, um, nurse practitioners, Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, nurse practitioners and like master level clinicians are going to be the future of most mental health fields, but definitely with um, social work. Um, how do you like being a social worker? I love it. <laughs> Um, I like the versatility of it. I I initially thought that the only path that I had to being a, a therapist in private practice was to go to school and be Dr. Banks and get my PsyD. And that's fine. Um, I don't know that I still won't go back to get a PsyD just because I'm a little bit of an overachiever. I feel like I still got a little bit more years of school left in me. I have to make it make sense financially. And I have to like go to school either for free or for almost for free. I got my undergraduate degree for free. I had absolutely no debt until grad school. I'm not putting any more debt onto that, even though I don't have a lot of debt, thank God. But I'm not putting any more more debt onto it right now. It just kind of doesn't make any sense to me, especially when I'm able to kind of hit my income goals and make the money that I want to make. So um, yeah, I like being a social worker. I like being a black social worker. I like being a social worker in private practice. I like that I have my LCSW. Um, I like being able to utilize my voice to facilitate change in the industry. And I also like being able to advocate for my clients the way that I, that I do. So I like it. Also, what I love the most about being a social worker, and I've said this plenty of times, is it's not only do I do diagnostic work and like treatment stuff, but I also kind of connect people to community services. And I like that as well. Um, the educational piece, providing psychoeducation about diagnosis and diagnostic stuff, helping families get access to service, removing barriers for um, treatment and care. I love it. Okay, so yeah, that answers your question. And the fourth thing is, do I think human social workers will be replaced or made obsolete by technology, automation or artificial intelligence? I don't know. And the funny thing about that is, is that my son works for a tech company that does a lot of artificial intelligence stuff. <laughs> so I've got to ask him if that's what they're working on. But um, I don't think so. There's nothing. I don't see a computer being able to replace that that human empathy um, and just being able to communicate with another human being about some of the things that you may be going through and struggle, struggling with and having another human being say, yes, 
I know that human experience and I've gone through that and I'm, I'm navigating that and dealing with that myself. So I don't really see like a computer doing my job. That was me pretending to be a computer. Um, <laughs> but, you know, who knows? I don't I don't know. But I don't I'm not threatened by R2D2 being a therapist. OK, I'm, I'm totally not threatened. Um, there was another thing that came out recently. There was a meme that was making its rounds on social. And it basically said that as a therapist, sometimes we feel powerless when people sometimes don't need therapy. They need money. This is also why I like to be a therapist. So um, I learned that early on. First of all, I don't think I, need, I don't think anybody needs that lesson that people don't sometimes don't need therapy. They just need money. Right. But as a therapist, sometimes and as a social worker, for me, I don't just look at myself as somebody who's only giving people um, mental health guidance. Right. I work with them to create healthier habits everywhere in their lives. And so there is a facet of social work that's financial. I do try to work on, you know, I'm I'm really good at business and marketing. So I do really try to work on my clients to try to see and get them to talk about the things that they're interested in doing and what they're passionate about and how they make money. But yeah, sometimes, sometimes I got to connect them to actual services. Sometimes I have to send them to community-based organizations and case management um, people that will help get them some money. One of the, um, one of my favorite stories as a social worker, and I remember when this happened, I worked for a community-based organization at, at a clinic, was providing therapy to a guy who was in recovery. Um, he, I, I want to say it was alcohol abuse that he was struggling with. And one week after week, he kept coming in and he was complaining about money. And like he would sometimes take an extra like he would walk to us and walk back so that he got to take the coffee to go do other things with, which I had no problem with. But ironically, like one of my white coworkers had a problem with like people using the like the Metro cards for other things. And I had to tell her to mind her goddamn business. <sighs> mind your business. Right. But anyway, um, so we, week after week he was coming in and we were really having a hard time getting to the drinking and getting to some of the other issues that he had in his life. And he was looking for a job. And so I just, I was sleepy that day. I'm going to be honest, like completely transparent. I was sleepy and I kind of felt guilty about being sleepy. <laughs> and it was the end of the day. Energetically, I was just like, uh, I don't know that I'm helping this man because everything that he has, he's dealing with is money. So I just asked him, do you have a resume? And he said, no. And I said, do you have an email? And he said, no. And I said, you have a phone? And he said, yeah. So I set up an email for him. I set up his resume. Um, I'm getting emotional a little bit. I, I set up his resume. Um, I printed out a few copies. And then 
We talked about like just job searches. And so I remember going to my own therapist that week and be like, oh, my God, I did such a bad job at work today. I was so tired. The guy came in and week after week, slow progress. But he just needs money. He needs a job. Like we can't even get to his problems until we resolve the finance two part. And then um, I told my therapist, I was kind of upset that I did it. But I told my therapist, I was like, you know, I just set up his email and I just printed out his, you know, wrote up type of his resume and I wrote up a resume and stuff. And he just looked at me and I was like, why are you looking at me? Like, that's not what I'm supposed to do. Like, we're supposed to be doing therapy. And he was like, you, you, you did what the client needed you to do in order for them to feel better. And. I felt inadequate, like in the moment, like just like typing up the guy's resume. But he was like, did he feel better? I said, yeah. And then the next week, my client came in and he was like, I got a job. And we were literally able to like work on his issues and work on the problems and work on how he felt and his self-esteem like was better. And he was able to make progress emotionally and mentally. And so, you know, sometimes not going along with the books and not doing, you know, the right thing. I say in air quotes, sometimes it literally is just like connecting people with like sources, sources and resources and services to like help them make the necessary changes that they need to make in their lives in order for them to feel better. And. You know, yes, sometimes we as social workers, we can feel powerless because we can't resolve anybody's problems. You know, I told my mother recently, I was like, I really feel so sad. And she was like, why? And I was like, there's so much suffering in the world right now, just with coronavirus and people dying. And like, it's been a really tough year for a lot of people. And she was like, yeah, it has. But I thought about it like it's a tough year for people every year. And so. As I get up in the morning and I see my clients and I roll out of bed and go, you know, take a shower. I mean, I do that stuff first, <laughs> get my coffee and sit at my little computer and I let, light up my little Christmas tree. So I have a little desk Christmas tree. I'll put it on Instagram so you guys can see my little setup um, to try to, like, bring some joy into my client's life. And this week I will have all of my Christmas sweaters on. Um, I just want you guys to be able to do what you can to be a blessing to people around you right now. Um, I don't talk about the things that I do, like, because I need some sort of congratulations or whatever. Or I'm trying to like, I made a joke about the toy drive of me just needing, me needing having coupons, but you know, I really just kind of feel like I'm just doing what I can. And there have been times that I've been homeless and hungry and down on my luck and not having anybody who um, was there for me or just or having people who were there for me who didn't want anything. And they never asked me for anything in return and they didn't do anything but give to me. Um, I'm just paying that forward and putting it back in the universe to be able to do that to other people. And I, I hope that you guys are able to take that away from what I'm saying. And I hope that you guys are able to make make and be a blessing for somebody 
in this holiday season and beyond. Um, one of the the exercises in gratitude I gave one of my clients this week was just to try to create opportunities to give people random strangers compliments um, for whatever, you know, in order to like boost their, not only boost their day, but also make yourself feel good. Sometimes when you're depressed and you're, you're sad, just seeing somebody else and making somebody else smile can also be a mood adjuster and a shifter for yourself. And so I hope as you listen to the show and you've been rocking with us for now over a hundred episodes and a little over um, four years, almost we're in the fifth season. Um, I just want to thank you guys for supporting what it is that we do. I just was getting on and talking about my own mental health challenges and the struggles that I had been going through, you know, for all of these years and the things that I've learned going into therapy and being a therapist. And I didn't know that people would listen and support. So I just kind of want to thank you guys for showing up in that way. And I just ask that you show up for the people around you and the people that you love and people that you think you think need love in this season. Okay. You got to do it with everybody. You probably can't do it with everybody, but just do it when you can and how you can. Okay. Be well. Don't miss the next few episodes. I promise you they're going to be bomb. I had a lot of fun. Um, recording. So yes, next episode, we have Dr. Holly Sawyer, PhD coming on. Um, We're going to talk about launching our private practices, our group practices, (laughs) and um, just catching up with her since the last time she's been on. She's wrote a few books, so she's going to talk about those. And we're going to have relationship expert, Bashay Williams is going to come on the show. Um, And that's that's a whole read. I cannot wait for you guys to hear that show. Okay. All right. See you. Have an amazing um, Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, whatever it is that you celebrate. Just, you know, celebrate love and peace and joy with your families. Be well. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Black Therapist Podcast. Once again, you can follow us on all our social media sites at Black Therapist Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter, as well as Black in Therapy on Facebook. Or you can follow your host, me, Miss M-S-N-I-K-I, thanks, on Instagram and Twitter, as well as you can find out any information about me at Nikita, N-I-K-I-T-A, banks.com, and on the show's website, Black Therapist podcast.com and don't forget if you want to send us any general feedback show suggestions uh, show topics or guest ideas please feel free to drop us an email at blacktherapistpodcast at gmail.com thank you be well